Good afternoon. The meeting will come to order. This is the October 26, 2022 Budget and Finance Committee meeting. I'm Supervisor Hillary Ronan, Chair of the Committee. I am joined by Committee Member Supervisor Chan, and we will be joined shortly by Vice Chair Supervisor Asha Safai. Our clerk is Brent Halipa, and I'd like to thank Matthew Ignao from SFGovTV for broadcasting this meeting. Mr. Clerk, do you have any announcements? Uh, yes, just a friendly reminder for those in attendance uh, in the chamber to make sure it sounds all cell phones and electronic devices. Uh, the Board of Supervisors and its committees are now convening hybrid meetings that allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment via telephone. Uh, the Board of Supervisors and its committees are now convening hybrid meetings. Oh, sorry, I just said that. How the Board recognizes that equitable public access is essential and will be taking public comment as follows. First public comment will be taken on each item on the agenda. Those in attending in person will be allowed to speak first, and then we will take those who are waiting on the telephone line. For those watching either channels 26, 28, 78, or 99, and sfgovtv.org, the public comment call-in number is streaming across the screen. That number is 415-655-0001. Again, that's 415-655-0001. And enter the meeting ID of 2491-103-2787. Then pound and pound again. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussions, but you will be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up and public comment is called, those joining us in person should line up to speak and those on telephone should dial star three uh, to be added to the speaker line. Uh, if you're on your telephone, please remember to turn down your TV and all listening devices you may be using. Each speaker will be allowed up to two minutes to speak unless otherwise stated. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways, email them to myself, uh, the Budget and Finance Committee Clerk at B-R-E-N-T dot J-A-L-I-P-A at sfgov.org. Uh, if you submit uh, public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the supervisors and also included as part of the official file. You may also send your written comments via U.S. Postal Service to our office in City Hall. That's 1, Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, Room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. Okay. And finally, Madam Chair, items acted upon today are expected to appear on the uh, Board of Supervisors agenda of November 1st, unless otherwise stated. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Can you please read item number one? Yes, item number one is an ordinance amending the program established in Ordinance Number 143-21, uh, waiving certain first-year permit license and business registration fees for certain businesses retroactive to November 1st, 2021, to extend the program through June 30th, 2023, increase the grass uh, increase the gross receipts permissible uh, for a business to qualify for the tax and fee waiver from $2 million to $5 million, remove the requirement that the businesses be located on the ground floor, expand the business types covered by the waiver from commercial businesses and certain planning code categories to all commercial businesses, extend the period for refunds to the later of one year from the date of payment or June 30th, 2023, revise the procedures for challenging tax collector determinations that a business improperly claimed the waiver under this ordinance, increase the gross receipts above which the waiver would be retroactively revoked from 10 million to 15 million in the calendar year of, or any calendar year during, the three full calendar years following. Uh, the date of business uh, commenced businesses, a business within 
uh, San Francisco or open a new business location for commercial use and make other administrative and reporting changes as defined. Members of the public who are joining us remotely and wish to comment on this ordinance, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2491-103-2787, then press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. A system prompt will indicate that you have raised your hand, and when the system indicates you have been unmuted, that is your signal to begin your comments. Madam Chair. Thank you so much, colleagues. We heard this item last week, so if there's no further uh, questions, we can open this item up for public comment. Thank you, Madam Chair. Members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up now right along the curtains. How for those listening remotely, call 415-655-0001. The meeting ID is 2491-103-2787, then pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. If uh, you're already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that is your queue to begin your comments. Seeing no in-person speakers here in the chamber, uh, Mr. Lamb, please unmute or call her. I apologize, I'm here to do public comment um, related to um, Felton anti-union activities. Thank you, that, that's the wrong item, that's item seven. So if you could wait on the line, we'll get to that shortly. Uh, yes, and to the caller, press star three to uh, go, back to the, uh, go back to the speaker queue until we call that item. And uh, Madam Chair, we have no further speakers. Public comment is now closed. I'd like to make a motion to send this item to the full board with positive recommendation. On that motion, uh, to forward this ordinance to the full board with a positive recommendation. Vice Chair Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Member Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. We have three ayes. That motion passes unanimously. Mr. Clerk, can you please read item number two? Yes, item number two. <clears throat> Uh, is a resolution approving a lease amendment extending the term from January 1st, 2023 to the date that is five years after the completion of certain tenant improvements for approximately 75,000 square feet at 1390 Market Street, Fox Plaza with BRCP, 1390 Market Street, LLC as landlord for use by the uh, Office of the City Attorney at an initial uh, annual rent of approximately 5 million with 3% annual increases thereafter and city uh, contributing 1.6 million toward the cost of the tenant improvements and improving the continued use of a portion of the premises for uh, child care services. Uh, members of the public who are joining us remotely and wish to comment on this resolution, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2491-103-2787 then press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. A prompt will indicate that you have raised your hand and when the system indicates you have been unmuted, has your key to begin your comments. Madam Chair. Thank you so much. We also heard this item last week, but is there anything new to report, Ms. Porter? Ms. Not Foreman? unless there's any questions. No, I don't think so. Good afternoon, uh, Chair Ronan, Vice Chair Safai, Supervisor Chan, Katie Porter from the City Attorney's Office. I just quickly wanted to address the budget implications for our office of the five-year term versus the originally proposed 10-year term. And you may recall under the 10-year term, the landlord was gonna pay the full cost of the tenant improvements associated with the lease. Um, there's a policy preference, which um, we are happy to support at the board for a five-year term. Because the landlord can't amortize the tenant improvement costs, that means the city is now absorbing 1.6 million of those costs. Those aren't presently in our budget, and so I just wanted to make um, 
sure that uh, everyone understood we don't have that money now and we'll want to work with the budget office, <coughs> excuse me, the board um, legislative analyst and the board as well and we'll need your support to have funding included in our budget for these um, legally required costs. Thank you. Yes, thank you and just for the public's knowledge, we discussed this in depth last week, but um, we think this is the right direction to go because we believe that office prices will come down and so we'll get a much better deal in that second five years and so ultimately save city money. Uh, yes, correct, and we are happy to work with the board and support the five-year lease. We just want to make sure everyone's on the same page with the budget implications. Right. And it, yeah, absolutely. I'm just Thank explaining you. why we're incurring a $1.6 million expense in order to save money at a later date. Mr. Clerk, can you please open this item up for public comment? Thank you, Madam Chair. Members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up now uh, along the curtains. However, uh, those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001 with the meeting ID of 2491-103-2787, then press pound twice, press star three to enter the speaker line. However, uh, those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and that is your queue to begin your comments. Seeing no in-person speakers here in the chamber. And Madam Chair, we have no speakers on the telephonic line. Public comment is now closed. Supervisor Safa, you want to do the honors? Yes, uh, send this item to the full board as amended with positive recommendation. Eyes it, wide it open. It wasn't amended. From last week. Yeah, oh, send it to the full board with positive recommendation. Yeah. Eyes oh. wide open. Yes, on that motion by Vice Chair Safai to forward this resolution to the full board with the positive recommendation. How Vice Chair Safai? Aye. Safai, aye. Member Chan? Aye. Chan, aye. Chair Ronan? Aye. Ronan, aye. We have three ayes. That motion passes unanimously. Mr. Clerk, can you please read item number five out of order? I want to accommodate a um, mem member of a staff member of a department. Yes, Madam Chair. Item number five is an ordinance amending the administrative uh, yes amending the administrative code to exempt from property taxation real property valued at one thousand or less and possessory interests valued at 4,000 or less uh, beginning in the uh, 2023 to 2024 assessment year. Uh, members of the public are joining us remotely and wish to comment. Please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2491-103-2787 and press pound twice. Press star three to enter the speaker line. And when the prompt indicate, uh, a prompt will indicate that you have raised your hand and when the system indicates you have been unmuted, has your signal to begin your comments. Madam Chair. Thank you, and I believe Lauren Filipozian is here to discuss this item. Hi. Hello, good afternoon, Chair Ronan and Supervisors. My name is Lauren Filipozian. I'm the Property Tax Manager in the Office of the Treasurer and Tax Collector. I'm joined today by my colleague Amanda Freed, as well as Holly Lung from the Assessor Recorder's Office. The legislation today seeks approval to create a low-value exemption for real property and possessory interest. The proposed ordinance will improve government efficiency and offer modest cost savings. The legislation proposes to exempt all real property at $500 assessed valuation or less and all possessory interest parcels at $4,000 assessed valuation or less. This ordinance would only apply to future bills on a given parcel and not be retroactive. The Board of Supervisors is authorized to create a low-value exemption for real property under the California Revenue and Taxation Code. Currently, San Francisco has a low-value ordinance exemption for business personal property, but there is no low-value exemption for real property or possessory interests. 
by way of comparison to other Bay Area counties. Alameda sets their personal, their real property low value threshold at $10,000, San Mateo at $7,500, and Santa Clara at $5,000. For possessory interest, Alameda and Santa Clara set their low value threshold at $10,000. We are seeking this authorization because collection of tax on low-value parcels has become increasingly expensive and complex. For example, a disproportionate share of owners of low-value real property parcels, valued at $500 of less or less in assessed value, do not pay their property tax bills, and the parcels then become subject to tax auction. If the $500 low-value exemption had been in place for the 2022 auction, the city would have saved $138,460 in auction costs alone. The annual revenue from low-value bills that are paid is minuscule. In the last fiscal year, it was less than $300 from 415 parcels. <clears throat> the more significant loss is of citywide parcel tax revenue that is distributed to the three parcel tax recipients. Nearly $176,000 in currently collected parcel tax monies would be forgone, of which $153,847 is SFUSD parcel tax revenue. We shared our analysis and proposed legislation with SFUSD, and they are supportive of moving forward with this ordinance. While they, of course, do lament the lost revenue, they note it is a small amount compared to the tax revenue that will continue to be collected by, um, on behalf of SFUSD. Overall, eliminating bills under the $500 threshold results in a net cost savings to the government of $16,602 annually. Instituting a low value threshold for possessory interest parcels is revenue neutral and will make government operations more efficient by eliminating the need for staff time on customer service, assessment appeals, and valuation. Thank you for your consideration, and I am, of course, happy to take any questions you may have. Thank you. Supervisor Safai. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, Supervisor Stephanie is not able to be present today uh, at this meeting, and she's asked that, asked that we make a small minor amendment on page 2, Line 23, where we delete the word 1,000 and replace it with the word 500. I mean, with the number 500. That's it. So I make a motion to, to do that. Great. Supervisor Chen. Thank you, Chair Ronan. Um, I think my question is, I, I just wanted to uh, uh, have a better understanding about possessory tax in general. And my assumption is, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, the possessory tax basically it's really um, we're taxing public properties owned by city departments or in this case including SFUSD, uh, our unified school district, and that um, whatever, uh, so for example, I think that if we, in Golden Gate Park, we, we are actually uh, have a lease agreement with a vendor and um, the revenue that we generated from that, we, we ought to pay uh, a certain dollar amount of possessory tax uh, depending on the rate of the possessory tax, is that correct? Yes. Holly? Yes. <laughs> and uh, so, and I just wanted to have a better understanding, maybe, maybe this is a question more for assessor's office than for you, and thank you so much for the presentation, is that like, do we currently have a very clear um, 
uh, a system. Because I, again, I really appreciate Assessor Chu and her effort of you know establishing and making sure that we bring bring the office to 21st century and everything can uh, most of the things can be done and, and review online now and besides going in person. But in this case, I understand that she was working before she took the uh, position as our city administrator. She was also working on a possessory tax inventory, so, or, or I should say just a system that we can make sure that we track processory tax, uh, like who, who actually has vendors, how do we collect them, and all that. Is that system established and set up? Yes. Uh, hi. Good afternoon, um, Chair Ronan, Vice Chair FAE member um, Chan. This is Holly Long from the Assessor's Office, and thank you for your question. Um, in the last few years, we have done significant improvements to the possessory interest program. We have reached out to over 39 departments and city agencies and state SFUSD to better understand the possessory interests. Like, so possessory interests, just to back up a little bit, is created when real estate that is owned by a government agency is used um, by a private entity or individual for their exclusive use. So the example you gave at Golden Gate Park where there's food sessions or boat berths or you know, a leased, um, I guess, leased government um, land. We would uh, work with the city departments to identify who is the leasee holder, and then we value that um, present value to that less mm. leaseholder. And then, so then that means that, like, so for example, so I totally understand, for example, like, you no, know, Stolt Lake has the vendor there, and then they're, they're, there they are permanently. But for example, there are actually food trucks or pop-up vendors permitted to actually operate in either Civic Center Plaza or at Golden Gate Park. So do we collect possessory tax from those since they're not permanent, but they are permitted, perhaps for the long term, but they're not permanent lease agreement? Correct. We have over 2,700 accounts in the possessory interest, and we are diligently working with these agencies to discover more. And so in the events that when we waive these, um, exempt these, which I totally understand, like if the administrative cost is actually <laughs> uh, cost us more than uh, what we bring in, it doesn't make any sense, and we rather have cost saving, that is for sure. And so in the events that say, for example, any of these parcels, and I think that there's like 415 parcels? Um, under possessory interest, we have about 120. Mm -hmm. And then so then if we waive the possessory tax collections for these, um, how do we know, how do, how do we go back in the events that they, they do actually the eligible for a higher amount or? Right. Exempting them doesn't mean we don't reassess them or assess them. We will continue to identify them and assess them in, um, annually. We'll determine if they are under the $4,000 threshold. Wonderful. Thank you so much for answering my questions. Thank You're you, welcome. Chair Ronan. Thank you. Can we please open this item up for public comment? Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up now to speak. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001 with the meeting ID of 2491-103-2787, then press pound twice. Um, once connected, you will need to press star three to enter the speaker line. Uh, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and as your cue to begin your comments. Seeing no in-person speakers here in the chamber, uh, Mr. Lamb, please unmute our caller. Hi, my name is Jessica. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist at Felton Institute and Jessica. I am openly Jessica sorry you're, you're giving public comment on the wrong item your item seven 
Uh, so if you could stay on the line and press, or item six, sorry, if you could stay on the line and press star three, uh, we'll hear from you shortly. Uh, yes, and uh, Madam Chair, we have no more speakers in the queue. Public comment is now closed. Can we take a roll call vote on Supervisor Safai's amendment? Uh, yes, on the amendment as offered by Vice Chair Safai. Vice Chair Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Member Chan. Chan, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. We have three ayes. Great. And this is not substantive, or it's it's less than the original, so it's Deputy fine Deputy City to go Attorney Ann Pearson. Um, no, it's not substantive. I do want to just clarify one thing. The, the amendment that was circulated to all of you that you acted on, I believe it replaced 1,000 with 500 wherever 1,000 exists in the legislation, so not just in one spot. And I just want to make that clear for the record. Great. Thanks for that clarification. Do you want to do a Yeah, sure. Just uh, anywhere the word 1,000 is, please strike with the word. But I think we need to say that on the record just to clarify. I think the city attorney just did. Okay. So please, uh, please forward this item as amended uh, to the full board of positive recommendation. On that motion by Vice Chair Safai, to forward this ordinance to the full board with a positive recommendation as amended. Vice Chair Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Member Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. We have three ayes. Motion passes unanimously. Mr. Clerk, can you please read item number three? Yes, item number three. Here's a resolution approving a professional services agreement for an airport contract to provide shuttle bus services at the San Francisco International Airport between SFO Hotel Shuttle Inc. and the city and county acting by and through its airport commission in an amount not to exceed approximately $72.6 million for a period of five years to commence upon uh, Board of Supervisors approval pursuant to the charter. Members of the public who are joining us remotely and wish to comment, please call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 2491-103-2787, and press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. A system prompt will indicate that you raised your hand, and when the system indicates you have been unmuted, that is your signal to begin your comments. Madam Chair. Thank you so much. I believe Ms. Volek is on the line. Good afternoon, supervisors. Thank you, Deanna Volek with the airport. The airport is seeking your approval to award a contract with SFO Hotel Shuttle Inc. to operate and maintain airport shuttle bus services for a not to exceed amount of $72,612,418 and a term of five years. If awarded, the airport will terminate the current contract to be effective concurrently with the effective date of the new contract. This contract is the result of a competitive request for proposals process and SFO Hotel Shuttle Inc., the existing shuttle provider, was deemed the highest scoring responsive and responsible proposer. The airport shuttle bus services provide complementary connections for customers and employees between the terminal complex and various remote parking areas. It has also included bus service between the terminals and remote aircraft parking on the airfield, regional ferry docks, and nearby transit hubs. The contract also allows for expansion of the services to include new routes connecting the airport to other locations in the Bay Area for which the operator would collect passenger fees. The BLA recommends approval and I'm happy to answer any questions along with my colleague, colleagues Eva Chong and Abu Azam of Operations Airport Services. Thank you for your time. Thanks so much. If we could hear from the BLA.
from the Budget Legislative Analyst Office. So item three is a resolution that would approve a new contract between the airport and SFO shuttle. The contract has a five-year term and uh, not to exceed amount of $72.6 million. The so scope of services includes shuttle service between employee parking lots to cover air train when it's down, um, to uh, pick airport staff up from Hayward and Castro Valley Bart and to do airfield busing. Uh, the airport may also add additional routes um, to western San Francisco to cover the BART system overnight when it's not running or to Solano County for airport staff. We showed the budget um, for this agreement on page 15 and 16 of our report um, and we recommend approval. Thank you so much. There are no questions, so can we open up this item to public comment? Yes, Madam Chair, members of the public. Who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up now to speak. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2491-103-2787, then press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. Please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been admitted as your signal to begin your comments. I'll start your time once you start speaking. Kim Cavalloni, San Francisco Labor Council. I do believe that this is going to be a union shop. I do believe Teamsters uh, 865 and 665 are in negotiations with this company, so we believe these will be high road jobs with real benefits, good pay, and pensions, which is really important to these workers. Thank you. Thank you, Kim Cavalloni, for your comments. Seeing no further speakers here in the chamber, Mr. Lamb, do we have any? Uh, no, we don't. Madam Chair, we have no speakers in the queue. Public comment is now closed. I'd like to make a motion to send this item to the full board with positive recommendation. On that motion, to forward this resolution to the full board with positive recommendation. Vice Chair Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Member Chan. Chan, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. We have three ayes. That motion passes unanimously. Mr. Clerk, can you please read item number four? Yes, item number four is a resolution retroactively approving an agreement between the Department of Public Health, Behavioral Health Services, and the California Department of Health Care Services to provide substance use disorder services for an amount not to exceed approximately $248.6 million for a seven-year term of July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2027, and to authorize the Department of Public Health to enter into amendments or modifications to the agreement prior to its final execution by all parties that do not materialize increase the obligations or liabilities to the city and are necessary to effectuate the purposes of the agreement or this resolution. Members of the public who are joining us remotely and wish to comment on this resolution, please call 415-655-0001. The meeting ID is 2491-103-2787 and press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. Uh, a prompt will indicate that you have raised your hand and when the system indicates you have been unmuted, as your signal to begin your comment. <coughs> Madam Chair. Thank you. Good afternoon, Mr. Rocha. Good afternoon, Supervisors. My name is Max Rocha, Behavioral Health Services Director of Systems of Care, here to seek your approval <clears throat> for the Drug Medical Organized Delivery System Intergovernmental Affairs. Next slide, please. This is a five-year agreement between the California State Department of Healthcare Services, um, which replaces an expiring three-year agreement that was approved back in October 2019. This reflects a new CalAIM updates from Department of Healthcare Services. CalAIM stands for California Advancing and Innovating Medi-Cal. CalAIM emphasizes payment reform, 
care coordination, reducing documentation burdens, as well as furthering advance of parity of substance use disorder medical benefits. This is a mandatory agreement between the county and the state. Agreement includes state general fund dollars and is also the payment mechanism of drug medical services. This agreement includes terms and conditions for budgeted, allocated, and fee-for-service substance use disorder services programs to continue to provide drug medical services and get reimbursed for up to $248 million over five years. Next slide, please. The range of services covered by DMC-ODS includes outpatient treatment programs, opiate treatment, intensive outpatient, residential withdrawal, residential treatment and recovery services. That's all the content I have. Thank you. Thank you. Um, any questions, colleagues? Supervisor Safai. I have a question regarding contingency management. Is contingency management allowed under this contract? Uh, yes, it does. It will be a new <clears throat> initiative coming up soon. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so pre three providers are selected to provide services. And I can get back and provide more information. For you know the size of the amount of money that will be allocated toward that? Um, no, I don't have that information offhand. Okay. Well, that would be good to know. Um, just for the public's edification, contingency management is a form of, of management with substance abuse disorder that works with people with, through a reward system to ensure that they're staying clean and sober from drugs, something that's been um, used more widely in the state. It's not been used widely here in San Francisco. It's been disallowed as part of uh, Medi-Cal funded services, but I think the law was changed to allow for that. Is that correct? Correct. So three agencies' programs have signed up to be part of this pilot program aimed to serve about 280 clients in the first year. That would be good. And then how many clients are going to be, do you all anticipate serving uh, over the five-year period with a quarter of a billion dollars? Across the range of services we provided, which is about 8,000 duplicated counts of clients in the prior years. So looking each year ahead, so 8,000 times five, yeah. And is abstinence-based treatment allowed under this funding? Yes, it is. Completely abstinence-based, clean and sober environments? Correct. And can you talk about a couple of the organizations or entities that you work with that do abstinence-based treatment? Um, I do have to look that up and get back to you with that information. That would be good to know. Just wanted to get that on the record. And so the majority of this money ends up passing through DPH or going straight to the organizations that we contract to provide the services? Good question. So the funding, the funding coast goes through Department of Public Health to our providers, and then we get reimbursed from the state. And then, and then the Department of Public Health then contracts with nonprofits to provide the services? Correct. And so, so does, does DPH <clears throat> do that on a reimbursement basis or on an annual grant basis? How does, that, how does that payment for those services occur? Yeah, so uh, depending on the contract arrangement setup, so usually it's either fee-for-service or cost reimbursement. The reason that I ask is because in my conversation with PRC Baker Place about, you know, sort of what led to the meltdown, um, they explained that previously they had a contract 
uh, with the city to provide uh, substance abuse care that the city reimbursed them for 100%. But then when Drug Medi-Cal came about, they had to switch to Drug Medi-Cal for payment of their services and the amount of money that they received went down. But if this money flows through the city, then we should be aware of you know, a differential in, in the payment that went to them. I didn't realize the drug Medi-Cal money flows through the city. Yeah, so the funds does flow through the city. We set up contract with our providers. Um, provide them through the contracting process, providers um, proposes their budget, and the budget then is broken down back into units of services rates, back to us, reimbursing, we reimburse them accordingly. Okay, that's interesting, because I did not understand that until now, and we'll have more questions about what happened then with, with Baker Place. Um, but for now, that doesn't impact this contract. Supervisor Safai? I just, it, it would be helpful also to have a list of the providers. I mean, this is just a pass-through stri straight from your department to list of nonprofits. It would be good to know which nonprofits are getting this money. Yeah, we can provide a list of what nonprofit agencies are funded through and the various also, service program areas. Also, it would be good to know what kind of performance standards are going into this work. If you're saying 8,000 duplicated clients over the course of a five-year period for a quarter of a billion dollars, one of the biggest questions we are asked consistently is if we're giving this money, what are, what are the standards of success and when we're giving money to these organizations on a consistent basis? It would be good to have that information as you're coming forward, asking us to approve these, this scale of a contract, as well as some of the names of the organizations that are doing some of the new work. Do, do you have a complete breakdown, or can your department provide a complete breakdown? Yeah, we can also provide contracts performance objectives as, measure, uh, as identified in their contracts, along with the provider scores, for example. And, and just explain to me again why this is retroactive. I'm sure that this grant was rewarded on a time basis. We're getting it now, and it goes back to the start of the period. What's the period? It's July 1 of this year, so we're not that far behind. Yeah, I appreciate you asking that question. The agreement came down from the state in August to us, and we worked as expeditiously as possible to get to today's hearing. It would be good for your department to provide some of that information between now and when we vote on this at the full board. I, I would like that information. Normally I would say, you know, I don't want to hold this up since this is grant funding, uh, but it would be better to have a lot of these questions asked, answered uh, before we actually approve this going forward. Some of our colleagues might have the same questions um, at the full board. So I, I'm happy with allowing this to move forward today, uh, but I definitely would ask that you all provide that information between now and then, and if there, we see any red flags or if we have any additional questions that we might, I might make a motion to continue the item at the full board. Great, and I'll follow up with my colleagues. All right, thank you. Thank Mr. you very much. Mr. Clerk, can you please open this item for public comment? Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up now. For those joining remotely, please call 415-655-0001 with a meeting ID of 2491. 1032787, then press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and that is your signal to begin your comments. Seeing no in-person speakers here in the chamber. And Madam Chair, we have no speakers on the line. 
Public comment is now closed. I'd like to make a small amendment. Uh, it's really a clerical error, error to the title, um, page one, line six, uh, replace seven years to, with a five-year term. Um, and then I'd like to make a motion to send the amended item to the full board with positive recommendation. If we could have a roll call on the, on the two motions. On that motion, uh, to amend the resolution to fix uh, the seven-year term to five-year term throughout and to forward this resolution to the full board with a positive recommendation as amended. Vice Chair Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Member Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. We have three ayes. Great. Those motions pass unanimously. Um, Mr. Clerk, since uh, we're going to spend the bulk of this hearing on item number six, we just have one short item that I'm going to call out of order before that so we can focus uh, and finish. If you could call item number seven out of order. Yes, Madam Chair. Item number seven uh, is a resolution retroactively authorizing the Public Defender's Office to accept and expand a grant in the amount of approximately $1.2 million from the California Board of State and Community Corrections to comply with certain penal code sections mandate uh, to use these funds to support the resentencing of individuals for the period of March 1st, 2022 through March 1st, 2025. Members of the public are joining us remotely and wish to comment on this resolution. Please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2491-103-2787 and press pound twice. Uh, press star three to enter the speaker line. A system prompt will indicate that you've raised your hand and when the system indicates uh, you have been unmuted, has your signal to begin your comments. Madam Chair. Thank you. And is Danielle Harris on the line? I am. Okay. Hi there. Hi, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Are you going to present on this item? I am. Yes, I am ready. Ahead. Thank you. <laughs> Please go ahead. <laughs> Great. Uh, my name is Danielle Harris. I'm with the San Francisco Public Defender's Office and have been since 1999. I'm here to tell you a little bit about the Freedom Project at the Public Defender's Office, which is the part of the office that has received the state grant. We're here to talk about our finance manager, Janica Lee, is also here on Teams to answer any any more technical questions that might come up. Uh, this item is considered retroactive because we've already received appropriation authority through the AAO process. This resolution simply meets the grantor's need for formal acceptance by the board and making it retroactive aligns it uh, with the budget authority through the AAO to this resolution. Uh, very briefly about me, for 20 years I worked on cases in the pre-trial and trial phases of, of the criminal legal system as a line attorney for 15 years and then for five years supervising uh, the line attorneys handling felony cases. So I've seen seen quite a few things over these last 23 years. Perhaps the most rewarding work I've done is in the past three years, uh, once, once we started the Freedom Project. 
In 2019, the board gave us some initial funding to begin looking into post-conviction cases, which is what the Freedom Project does exclusively, to identify people who are eligible for resentencing in one form or another. Um, because over these last four years, the state legislature has slowly but surely expanded opportunities for people serving long prison terms to either show that their conviction was unjust or that they are so far from the person they were at the time of the conduct that further imprisonment no longer serves its purposes. The legislature strengthened these laws based on a large body of research showing, among other things, that many folks in prison simply don't re represent a serious risk anymore and that their continuing imprisonment is thus doing far more harm than good to our communities. Research showing that long sentences do not serve the deterrence goal that we might hope they would, have hoped they would, um, and, and also that 75% of crime victims support reducing sentences for folks who are now deemed to be low risk. And many of the folks in our prisons are of an age where we know that criminality, criminal, the likelihood of criminal conduct is dramatically reduced. We show that it reduces dramatically after age 40 and even more so after age 50. Thankfully, the legislature didn't only pass these laws creating opportunities, it also uh, appropriated money to the cause. Last year, $50 million was allocated statewide to public defenders and other indigent offices in every county uh, around the state. That includes the $1.2 million that has been given to us for this first year and is expected to come for two additional years, so our three-year total. And it's going to the public defender's office and also to the Bar Association the San Francisco Bar Association. The Public Defender's Office with these funds is hiring a lawyer, a paralegal, two social workers, and also will have the money to support the work through uh, hiring of experts and equipment and things that our clients need when they do, when they do come out of prison. Currently, there are approximately 600 people serving prison time from commitments, prison commitments and sentences from San Francisco. Of those folks, 56% are serving life sentences and just under 50% are age 50 or older. So many of the people that we represent are folks in their 50s and 60s and some in their 70s who were convicted as minors or very young adults back in the 1970s, 1980s, 1990s. These are folks whose children are in their 30s and 40s and have no memory of their parents except in prison, whose grandkids have never seen uh, them in person, yet suffer the generational trauma that comes with having um, a parent who grew up with an incarcerated parent. 
In three years, the Freedom Project has helped 66 people find a path to freedom and family reunification. And I want to emphasize our work does not remotely end when we, when we see a client come out of prison gates. Our dedicated social worker, workers help people plan for reentry and are there for them every step of the way to fill in the really shameful gaps that really exist. Folks come out of prison with no identification of any kind, no Medi-Cal, no other benefits, no case manager to help them navigate. Uh, they come out usually with just a parole agent who unfortunately is often more interested, seems more interested in watching for problems than in helping ensuring that there aren't any. Our commitment is to review each of these cases individually in order to assess whether they qualify under any of the new laws that have been passed. Our commitment is to each family to do what is possible to bring their mom home, their dad home, their grandma or granddad. And our commitment is to San Francisco to ensure that we do our part to undo the damage that mass incarceration has done to our communities. Thank you so much. That's all I have prepared. Okay, and no, that's, that's more than questions. enough. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Uh, I'd like to be added as a co-sponsor to this item. And Mr. Clerk, can you please open this item up for public comment? Yes, Madam Chair. Uh, noted on your co-sponsorship. Uh, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up now to speak. Uh, for those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2491-103-2787, then press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that will be your signal to begin your comments. Seeing no in-person speakers here in the chamber, Mr. Lamb, please unmute our caller. Hello, caller. Is there a caller on the line? It looks like that line is unattended. Uh, Mr. Lamb, do we have any other speakers? Madam Chair, we have no further speakers. Public comment is now closed. I want to thank Ms. Harris for her incredible work and make a motion to send this item to the full board with positive recommendation. On that motion to forward this resolution to the full board with a positive recommendation, Vice Chair Safai. Safai, aye. Member Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. We have three ayes. That motion passes unanimously. Thank you so much. Mr. Clerk, uh, at long last, can you please read item number six? Yes, Chair Ronan. Item number six is a hearing to discuss employee wages and benefits at the Felton Institute, which receives $20 million from the city and county and the operational impact of labor disruptions on the employees and clients seeking social services at the Felton Institute. Members of the public are joining us remotely and wish to comment on this hearing. Please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2491-103-2787. Then press pound and then pound again. Once connected to the meeting, you will need to press star three to enter the speaker line. A system prompt will indicate that you have raised your hand. And when the system indicates you have been unmuted, that is your signal to begin your comments. Madam Chair. 
Thank you, and I want to thank uh, Supervisor Melgar for calling this hearing and for joining us today, and I will turn it over to you to uh, manage and conduct this hearing. Thank you so much, uh, Chair Ronan and colleagues. Thank you for hearing this item. Um, we are here today to hear from uh, workers and also the administration about the unionization and contract negotiation efforts at the Felton Institute. Uh, Felton provides mental health and social services and treatments that transform lives with a special emphasis on the needs of underserved communities, including families with income be be below the poverty level, children, elderly people, and people living with disabilities. Felton also provides essential early care and education programs and assistance for pregnant and parenting teens. We're not here to criticize or scrutinize this important work or mission for this institution. The purpose of this hearing is to promote good faith negotiations by both parties, restoring the long-standing positive working relationship that existed and ensuring the needs are met for workers, the organization, and the communities served by Felton without interruption. We have invited representatives from uh, SEIU 1021 who are attempting to finalize a union contract with the Felton Institute. We will also be hearing from workers at the Felton uh, Institute who are not represented by the union um, and also from uh, management. We have uh, the Department of Early Care uh, here on standby as well. As the Felton Institute receives sizable funding from the city and county of San Francisco, in fact, most of its funding comes from government, um, including uh, baby C funds, uh, and we all, uh, uh, colleagues, uh, worked on uh, getting baby C funds uh, to make sure that we have uh, this very important uh, need met in our uh, city for uh, universal child care. We have the right and the duty of inquiry as to why these negotiations are not going well. Our, my goal here is to expose the sticking points uh, and to see if we can get everyone back to the bargaining table to negotiate in good faith and to ensure that the communities that benefit from the essential services provided by the Felton Institute continue to receive these services uninterrupted. The previous union contract uh, has already lapsed, uh, so we are here, we really need a speedy resolution. Uh, first up, we're going to have uh, Brendan Dawkins, who is the Vice President of Organizing for SEIU 1021. He will be sharing uh, his time with Hector Cárdenas, the field rep for the Felton Organizing. Um, and they have slides, uh, I believe. Uh, uh, we will also hear from workers. Uh, Mr. Dawkins, uh, if you could come up, please. You will have uh, five minutes. Right. Good Welcome. afternoon, everybody. I am uh, Brandon Dawkins. I am the uh, vice president of organizing for SCI Local 1021. And I just wanted to open it up, um, you know, just by, uh, you know, introducing this and saying that, you know, just asking the question of is Felton Institute uh, union busting on the taxpayers dime? So just a brief overview, uh, the Felton Institute uh, workers have uh, been providing crucial 
uh, mental health and social services to the Bay Area's most vulnerable community members. Um, years of short staffing, lack of support, bullying, and uh, low pay for frontline staff led to consistent turnover and burnout, all which impacted client services at the um, 2730 Bryant Street location, uh, which uh, some of those workers there had uh, joined the union in 2011. Um, but now the rest of Felton workers are organizing to join the union and to fight to improve uh, working conditions. Uh, they have been met with bullying, harassment, and unfair labor practices. So as you all know, some of you may or may not know that SEIU Local 1021 represents around 39 profits in San Francisco. And uh, our members have fought and won strong contracts that help attract and retain talented workers to serve our city's residents. We have secured badly needed funding for critical services that our members deliver to vulnerable San Francisco. Our members work at a broad range of nonprofits, including Tenderloin Housing Clinic, Project Open Hand, Home Rise, Institute on Aging, Conrad House, Charity, Catholic Charities, uh, High Street Clinic, Larkin Street Youth Services, just to name a few. Uh, so with that being said, I want to bring up uh, Hector Cardenas, who is the uh, field representative for the uh, organized workers at Felton. Hector. Good afternoon. My name is Hector Jimenez Cardenas, and I am the union rep over at, at the branch of Felton uh, that we represent over at Bryant Street, where majority of the workers are women. Most employees are people of color and a large Latinx presence at this particular Mission neighborhood uh, facility. Some employees are former program participants and people who have graduated from the services that Felton provides. The, currently, we are bargaining a successor contract. The original contract expired on June 30th, and at the request of Felton, we extended to September 30th. Felton did not agree to schedule any bargaining sessions until September, and as many of you know, bargaining is not a short process. So with that, Felton has withheld implementing the Prop Baby C wage initiative to our, our represented bargaining unit and has implemented the uh, wage initiative as of September 30th to those who are non-union uh, under the same umbrella organization. The union would never oppose uh, the implementation of something like Prop ABC, and in fact, we would welcome it. In the former contract that we had, management signed a legally binding agreement to remain neutral uh, over or, uh, union organizing and uh, agreed to not discourage any unionization where in fact they have done the opposite. On top of that, uh, we have filed a litany of unfair labor practices uh, that I actually have some copies for you uh, to be able to take a look at today uh, because there are quite a bit. Uh, but some themes that you will find in uh, these unfair labor practices include calling the police on our organized union members for having a lunchtime rally to kick off bargaining, terminating and threatening employees 
and threatening with discipline, coercing and questioning, and worst of all, surveying employees, filming employees, taking down names at any activity uh, that is under the union activities that we, that we have. Uh, from here, I'll pass it over to my colleague, Grecia, uh, who will speak a little bit more about our organizing efforts. Good afternoon, my name is Grecia Rojas. I'm an organizer with SAIU 10 to 1 who have the very privilege to organize with these workers who are frontline workers and work through the pandemic. Um, just as uh, my colleague mentioned, there's over 10 uh, unfair labor charges against Felton, while Felton management gets a really big hefty cash amount for that they pay themselves. Uh, Al Gilbert makes over $300,000. Uh, Johanna Quiroz makes over $200,000, while at the same time, BBC employees are not getting their funds just because they are union, which is, means there are some Felton workers who are earning around $18 an hour, right above the minimum wage, who should be earning 28 or more. Um, that's just a little bit about what's been going on, but it's really shameful to have a nonprofit organization mistreat their workers, verbally assault their own team members because they want to form a union and they want the rights to be protected. So this is not how any nonprofit should act, especially because they are receiving public funds. So uh, I'm going to pass it off to some workers. We have Courtney Lorraine, uh, current uh, employee staff. Thank you so much, uh, Lorraine and Carol. I just want to acknowledge that this is a difficult thing to come forward and speak to us about this, and um, I'm, I'm glad you're here. Thank yeah, you. Thank you for uh, hosting. <laughs> My name is Courtney Lorraine, and I've been a clinical case manager at Felton for about four years in an intensive mental health program for older adults. Because of issues with safety, transparency, and turnover, I started talking with my coworkers about forming a union a couple of years ago. Since we went public with our organizing campaign in December 2021, Felton Management has been intimidating and bullying me and many of my coworkers who support forming a union. They have violated their legal obligation to treat a union effort with no neutrality so many times. They've sent all staff emails actively discouraging us from signing authorization cards and talking to union representatives. They've called us thugs and troublemakers. They've characterized us as outside agitators imposing on program operations, but we are Felton workers and we care passionately about our clients and the programs that support them. Uh, Liz Delmasio, the head of HR, has personally told me that I'm not allowed to talk to my coworkers about unionizing or any workplace issues without consulting HR. She's told others that they're not allowed to wear union shirts or post union flyers, even in public spaces. She illegally attended, attended a general organizing meeting that we held on Zoom by using a false name, and shortly after, a coworker who was active in the meeting chat was fired. On January 27th, I was handing out flyers on public property outside of one of Felton's work sites, and I was threatened with a call to police. Felton managers have called police on several other occasions when my coworkers have tried to exercise their rights to union activity. This is both a gross misuse of city resources and blatant intimidation that has made many of my coworkers afraid to acknowledge their support for the union publicly. In April, when I was requesting disability accommodations related to a temporary illness, HR specifically referenced my union involvement as a reason for requiring a second opinion and additional documentation from my doctors, making me afraid that I was gonna lose my health insurance while I was sick, simply because I care enough about my job and my clients to advocate for a seat at the table. Felton is using public money to trample on my rights and it needs to stop. 
Thank you, Ms. Lorraine. Uh, do we have uh, Ms. Carroll here? Good afternoon. Thank you for holding this hearing. I appreciate it. My name is Mel. I work for the Felton Institute in the senior division. I work for the Ombudsman Program, which is an advocacy program for elders living in nursing homes and assisted living facilities. Um, I cover 25 facilities, so it's kind of a lot. I have a master's degree in gerontology from SF State, and I've worked for Felton for eight years. I earn $65,000 a year, which in San Francisco doesn't go that far. When the pandemic hit, things were really hard. You know, we had people in nursing homes who had COVID and assisted living who had COVID. We didn't know who was positive, who was negative. There was no vaccine. It was a really stressful time, particularly, you know, going into facilities and talking to people and then finding out a day or two later that they had COVID and you had, you know, no vaccine or any way to protect yourself, except for your mask. Um, in 2021, I asked for a raise after all of this had happened, and I, I was told that there was no way I could get a raise because there was simply no money in the budget. And I really like Felton. I really like working there. I just want to be fairly compensated. That's why I feel like the union might be helpful. So there are a couple things that we're asking for. We're asking to hold Felton accountable, to follow all aspects of the current agreement with SEIU 1021, including honoring the neutrality agreement, instruct Felton to return to the bargaining table in a timely manner and to bargain in good faith with SEIU 1021, and ensure that Felton respects the rights of workers to organize under the National Labor Relations Act if they are to continue to receive funding from the city and county of San Francisco. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much, Ms. Carroll. I appreciate that. Um, Next stop, colleagues, uh, we want to hear from uh, Felton Management, and although they could not be here uh, present uh, in person, we do have Sarah Richardson-Baker, who's the Director of Communications and Community Engagement at the Felton Institute um, on, uh, on Teams. Mr. Halipa, can you confirm that she's here with us? Oh, there she is. Hello, Thank you, Ms. Baker. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. Um, I will start whenever we're ready. Yes, go ahead. Okay. Um, to the members of the Board of Supervisors, my name is Sarah Richardson Baker, and I am the Director so, uh, of Communications. I'm, I'm sorry, Ms. Baker, hold on just a second. Um, this is not part of her presentation. I believe this is part of SEIU's presentation. Thank you. Okay, go ahead, Ms. Baker. Sorry. Yeah, this is felt. This is Felton Management, correct? Yes. Yep. Okay, great. So again, my name is Sarah Richardson Baker. I am happy to be here today. I'm the Director of Communications at Felton Institute, and thank you again for allowing me to um, make this statement on behalf of Val Gilbert, Felton's President and CEO. Please accept this statement in lieu of a personal appearance at this informational hearing. Since 1997, SEIU 1021 has represented 55 of Felton's 500 employees in two of Felton's programs. Felton prides itself on being a pro-union, pro-employee organization. We have had a great relationship with SEIU 1021 for the past 25 years. During these years and currently, we have adhered to all contractual obligations including a check card neutrality clause, which is a new section 
Felton happily agreed to under our current union contract. We support the right of Felton's employees to organize, form a union, join a union, and engage in concerted activity. In fact, all of Felton's executive and leadership team hold progressive values and respect our employees' rights. Also, for the last 25 years, during Felton and SEIU's relationship, Felton's executive leadership team has remained consistent. This long-standing leadership team considers SEIU 1021 a partner in addressing the needs of our unionized employees. I am pleased to report that there have been no labor disruptions ever in the history of Felton Institute. Over the last few months, SEIU 1021 has made very concerning allegations regarding Felton Institute to the National Labor Relations Board and possibly to members of the Board of Supervisors. However, it is not clear why the union has chosen to raise its concerns in this forum and not through the grievance process or in negotiations or informally with management or in any of the other numerous opportunities opportunities there have been to communicate. In response to this hearing request, Felton invested many hours meeting individually with each Board of Supervisor to ascertain concerns. And today I'm providing you an overview of what we discussed, seizing this opportunity for transparency. As part of the check card neutrality clause over the last year, SEIU 1021 has been actively organizing to obtain authorization cards, from unrepresented Felton employees. SEIU 1021 believes that Felton Institute called the SF Police Department on picketing activities. No one from Felton Institute called the police. SFPD relayed that the call was made by nearby residents who were frustrated with the noise levels and disruptive activity near their homes. Despite financial limitations attributed to the fact that the majority of Felton's funding comes from budget allocations of the city and county of San Francisco, over the last five years, we increased all employees' wages by over 25%. Last year alone, employees received 8 to 10% increases agency-wide. With regards to Prop C or Baby C compensation increases, when union negotiations wrap, union staff will also receive their retroactive increase um, retroactive to July 1st. Felton's goal is to get these well-deserved and much-needed increases to our educators who have been waiting a long time to receive them. Given the public nature of this informational hearing, we are reiterating publicly. We have not interrogated, coerced, questioned, surveilled, pressured, disciplined, terminated, or threatened to discipline any employee engaged in union organizing activities. It is important to note that SEIU has not requested recognition as the bargaining representative of any group of Felton employees other than those it currently represents and has made no representation to Felton about majority support among additional groups of employees. It is SEIU 1021 management's discretion to determine when to call a membership enrollment vote. Our, our aim, Felton's primary aim, is to continue to focus on being a premier organization 
providing high quality services to those in need and farthest from opportunity. We believe that SCIU 1021 and Felton Institute share the same goals of doing right by our employees, working cooperatively, and promoting labor peace. Felton Institute continues to welcome an open discussion with SCIU 10 to 1021. And at this time, I will not be making any further comments, but I thank you so much for your time. Oh, just to be clear, um, are you not gonna answer questions? Is, is that what you, that last statement was? Correct, that's correct, Supervisor. No uh, answering questions from us either, from any of the supervisors? Correct. That's correct. Well, that's disappointing because this is a hearing. We will be preparing um, a longer statement and packet that will be delivered to each supervisor um, today that will address more than um, the five-minute time but no, limit but that we had But that's the point here. of a hearing. I mean, it's, uh, there's no time limit on answering questions. And I have lots of questions for you, as I'm sure some, most of my colleagues were. So are you not empowered to answer questions about the statement that you just made or any uh, of the situations that, that have arisen? Not empowered is probably not the word, but we have made a decision to um, read this statement and then um, are open to meeting with each of you again after, as we did before. Well, I just, I find that just totally unacceptable. That's not, uh, that was not my understanding of what your role was gonna be in this hearing. Uh, this hearing is uh, specifically to uh, shed light on the situation. I mean, there, there are allegations that have been made. I understand that you made a statement, but you know, the, the goal, as I told you when I met with you, was to uh, ha get to a place where we can have labor peace. And it doesn't seem to me that uh, by not engaging, we can get to a uh, place of understanding. I mean, we feel at this point there is labor peace. We have been at the table, um, negotiations have never stopped. And so we feel that it's just in our best interest to read the statement, provide you all with a um, complete packet and um, go from there. And I, I, I really hope you will understand and respect that. I understand that you think that it's in your best interest. Um, I would dispute that other folks don't think you have labor peace, and that's obvious from what we have heard here today. But thank you so much for coming and reading the statement. Thank you. Uh, okay, uh, so uh, colleagues, um, I think that um, you, you uh, see that we don't have <laughs> uh, anyone to question from the administration, but if any of you have any questions specifically for the presenters, for uh, the organizers, or the employees who have come before us, now is the time to ask. Any questions, colleagues? Okay. Oh. Supervisor Chan. Thank you, Chair Ronan. And, and I, I, I see that we should probably go to public comments and I, I, I think that we should listen more from the workers. Uh, does that mean that Felton is no longer, like are, would they be stay, staying online for this or? Well, it seems that Felton is not prepared 
to make any further statements other than the statement they read into the record, nor will they answer our questions, nor address any of the things that uh, you know the union or the workers have said, despite uh, stating that they are a pro-union organization. Deeply concerning uh, and does not evidence you know, good faith uh, in my book. Um, so, uh, but that's where we are. Well, actually, I think that that is, as a response um, speaks volume about who they are. By not answering questions, actually answer a lot of questions. Um, so I, I look to Chair Ronan to kind of help us facilitate remaining of the um, hearing, but I look forward to hearing more from the workers for public comments, and then I, I probably will have more comments thereafter. Thank you. Um. I, we're all a little speechless here. Um, the, Felton does receive primary funding from the city, so to not answer questions from supervisors who make those funding decisions is extraordinary. I, I, I'm, I'm speechless myself. I, I've never seen this before. Um, uh, I will ask, uh, I will call on Supervisor Safai and then um, open it up to public comment. And then I'm sure there'll be more questions after public comment. Uh, yes, thank you. I, uh, just looking at the list of departments, the biggest one is Department of Public Health. So maybe, um, if, are they here today as well? They're not. Uh, we have uh, the Department of Early Care um, on standby to answer questions uh, and you know provide a statement. But um, you know they rep the Department of Early Care provides the funding for the units that are represented by 1021. Right. right. Yeah, I'm, the reason I was asking is I was assuming that the ones that are not represented are in the Department of Public Health. They represent uh, almost 50 percent, more than 50 percent, almost 60, 70 percent of the funding that Felton gets. I mean, I think it would be helpful. I, I understand maybe this is the first time Felton has experienced something like this, and maybe we're not prepared for this environment, but it seems as though you were very clear with them what your expectations were, and yes. so they made a, a concerted decision. I mean, we always have the ability to continue this item um, yes, and, and set I, a new date <laughs> and get some real clarity. So, I, I mean, I know you know how to handle it. I just, I just wanted to put that on the record. Um, I, I want to thank all the workers for coming out today. Uh, I really think that uh, this board, this city, um, the residents of San Francisco are very supportive of people having the opportunity to organize free and fair from interference. And I know from listening to the workers that are out there w making sure that they're providing tremendous services, that this is an important right that they should be afforded and they should feel confident and supported in that environment. Um, Felton had some counter statements. That's why it's important to have them answer direct questions and so I, I mean I'm, I'm also at a loss for words it would be great to have the opportunity to ask those questions so I'll hand it back over to Supervisor Melgar but I just wanted to thank folks for coming out today and I look forward to hearing from them firsthand on their experiences and understanding that that organizing is a fundamental right that we that we encourage that I that I personally have been involved in and stand by 100% and, and know that all my colleagues do as well. Okay, let's, uh, we, I would like to go to public comment and hear from folks. I just wanted to say a couple things. Uh, it is uh, d deeply disappointed, 
disappointing and unexpected that uh, folks from the administration would not be here to just give the, the most basic <laughs> answer to questions from this committee. But I also uh, want to set it in the context of what we're trying to do in terms of uh, recovering from the pandemic, of making sure that workers have a living wage, that we are properly staffed in providing these essential services to our most vulnerable. For the childcare workers in particular, we are in a deep crisis in childcare in our city, really in our country, that this is a mostly female workforce um, that is not paid appropriately for the, the very essential work that they do for our society. And Baby Prop C was passed by the voters to do that, to uh, make sure that we have a workforce that uh, is sustainable, that can keep providing those services. I think it is inexcusable that those uh, public monies have not gone to the workers in that in addition to that, the, the excuse has been, oh, we have not had uh, the, um, we have not sat with a union yet to negotiate this when that is not necessary at all, and that the contract has been allowed to, um, to end without uh, the, um, you know, bargaining sessions being scheduled by the employer. So there's lots of questions that I have, uh, you know, in light of the statements that was presented uh, that I'd like to sort of push back on, uh, but we don't have that opportunity. But we do have the opportunity to hear from the workers, and I think that that's really important because this is a public setting, and I want to make sure that people's voices are heard. Um, I do want to ask uh, that at the end of this hearing, uh, Supervisor Ronan, we continue this to the call of the chair and make sure that we keep coming back to this issue until it is settled. Uh, so Felton Institute does receive uh, about $30 million a year in public money, which is most of their funding, and about 20 of that is from us, from the city and county of San Francisco. So I do think that, you know, uh, we have a responsibility to make sure that public monies are used uh, in a way that is consistent with our values and that they go towards um, serving the most vulnerable in a way that is uh, dignified and upholds the rights of the workers. Uh, so with that, uh, if it's okay, Chair Ronan, uh, let's go to public comment and hear from folks who are here. Absolutely. Public comment is now open. Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person here in the chamber should line up uh, right along the curtains. Uh, for those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 2491-103-2787, then pound and pound again. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue to wait till the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that'll be your signal to begin your comments. Um, yeah, whenever you're ready, I'll go ahead and start your time. Thank you. Hello, everybody. My name is Aide Palomera. I am a Felton employee of 18 years. I'm here representing the behalf of the employees that couldn't be here today, but they will be online. When I first heard about this organizing, my stomach just sank. I have PTSD and some really hard feelings about this union. I feel that employees need to hear my experience and there's always two sides of every story. I even reached out to the ones organizing to let them know my experience. 2011 was one of the very first, I was the very first organ unionizers to start the program at Felton, which is called TAP. What was a win-win situation was a nightmare for me and many others. 
I was told that I was going to be represented by the union, my job was covered, and we were going to be given raises. We were promised so many things. After we were unionized, this is where the problems began. Hence, the management is no longer there. I was not represented by the union when I was written up or when I was demoted for something that could have been avoidable. I was so blindsided and frustrated because I was told I would be represented. I put too much of my emotions and invested my time personally to organize. Our program experienced a loss of budget and was downsized. Everyone, including the director, left the program. We didn't see the union supporting the program and fighting for us. Thank God I stayed because I was committed to the program and I believe in the mission and vision of Felton. I was able to apply for a management position and opted out from the union. Fast forward, I had to leave that management position because I'm a mother with children with special needs and my time needed to be at home and I'm in a lesser role so that would affect me deeply. I'm here to tell you that I don't wanna be a part of this union. I know that everybody has a choice I would rather use my funds toward my retirement that would benefit me and my family. I'm also going to email this as well. Thank you so much for your Thank comments. You. Thank you. All right, next speaker, please. Spanish. Does she need an interpreter or she can say it in Spanish? Uh, we, uh, we did not receive a request for uh, any interpretive services. But, can, but I can translate for okay. you. Okay, very well. Yo puedo traducirle, si me okay. permite. Sí. Uh, mi nombre es Milagro Castro. Uh, yo fui una de las pioneras para poner la unión hace más uh, años atrás. Yo tengo 29 años trabajando para Felton. My name is Milagro Castro. I was one of the pioneers to start the union uh, many years ago. Pero uh, hace unos años atrás la unión me decepcionó mucho a mí a muchos de mis compañeros porque estuvimos a punto de quitarla porque ellos empezaron no nos respondían las llamadas no nos uh, atendían no llegaban a, a visitarnos but I was very disillusioned by this union because uh, they, of their lack of responsiveness. Uh, we, they never responded to our phone calls. Uh, they never came to talk to us. Uh, Muchos tuvimos ya, yo tengo unos documentos firmados por, por mis compañeras que estábamos a punto de um, quitar la unión. Yo estuve dando para hacer esto, pero luego uh, vi que ellos se presentaron. So I was uh, ready to start uh, signing the documents with uh, my uh, co-workers, but then I saw that they came uh, to present themselves. Uh, luego para la pandemia me decepcionaron más porque nunca se hicieron presentes con un café caliente, una dona cuando nosotros lo necesitábamos. But then I was further delusions because uh, during the pandemic they never present them themselves, they never came with like coffee or donuts to uh, talk to us. Ni mascarillas, nada, nada que nosotros necesitáramos, ni una llamada para preguntar cómo están, cómo se sienten. En cambio, Felton siempre estuvo presente y nos pagó durante estuvimos en la pandemia. Ellos nos, el cheque siempre lo recibimos y, y, y ellos nunca nos, de, nos, nos dijeron, no les vamos a quitar la mensualidad. They never came by with uh, masks or anything that we needed during the pandemic, while at the same time, uh, the Felton management kept paying us and uh, checking in on us to make sure that we were okay. 
Eh, por eso estoy muy decepcionada de ellos y yo me cambié a otra escuela que no tiene unión y ellos están siempre fastidiando a todos mis compañeros en las casas los fines de semana por las noches. Ya dijeron, mandamos una carta que no queremos unión, pero ellos siguen insistiendo. This is why I am no longer there. Uh, that's why I switched to another different school that does not have a union. Um, while they keep um, annoying uh, my former co-workers, uh, wanting them to join the union. Yeah, y, um, do, mis compañeras, dos compañeras de mi escuela, no estamos de acuerdo en, en querer unión. It, we, me and two of my co-workers are all in agreement that we do not want the union. Porque no nos ayudan en nada. Because they do not help us in anything. Están ahorita uh, ellos eh, presentes porque están en negociación, pero cuando pasa la negociación, ellos se desaparecen. They're here right now because they're in negotiations, but when there's no negotiations, uh, they, they disappear. Yeah, es, es lo que yo uh, uh, quería agregar a esto. That's all I have to uh, add. Thank you. Thank Muchas you. gracias. Thank you so much for your comments, Wanda Castro. Next speaker, please. Excuse me. Uh, my name is James Chong. I'm the political director for SEIU 10 to 1. And I just wanted to address the body in uh, response to some of the statement or part of the statement that, you know, was given to us by Felton. Uh, I think the uh, committee here saw an indication of some of the disrespectfulness that we've seen. We have yet to meet with Al Gilbert. We have yet to be able to air those concerns um, directly with the highest levels of management. And we remain stuck in very unfruitful and protracted negotiations well past June 30th. Um, Felton's claim that they're contractually uh, meeting all of their union requirements and obligations is not exactly true. Right? We're talking about two things where they, we know they are not bargaining in good faith and they are not respecting the neutrality agreement uh, provided in the contract because we see all this anti-union organizing activity. And as Supervisor Melgar specified, uh, what we moved in Measure C, what they're saying, um, you know, where we have to bargain again over all those um, wages and things that we won. That's simply not true because we, as a collective, uh, with many of the supervisors here, with labor, with the CLC, um, you know, we moved Measure C to make sure that it was to lift up those wages as quickly as possible to get us competitive on those childcare services. And lastly, I want to address the um, thing we're not asking for any special treatment or for um, you know, carte blanche organizing, but to have democracy play out. And our organizers um, are working hard. We think we have the numbers. And if the company was not objecting and blocking the union, we, this would be a well-represented and a strong unit for, um, to improve the lives of um, all those folks and constituencies that Felton serves. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your comments, Jim Shaw. Next speaker, please. Good afternoon, Board of Supervisors. My name is Anna Pedrosa, and I am an infant and toddler head teacher at Bryant Street. I have been with Felton for about five years, and I'm here to share my experience. Um, on August 9th, 2022, I experienced intimidation, harassment by our COO, Johanna Quiroz. Um, that, that day we had staff development day, so all the other centers, um, teachers from other centers came to our site and we participated in trainings. 
Um, one day prior to, our supervisor in the afternoon told us that we had to wear our Felton uniform. This had never been the case because when children are not in session, we're able to do free dress. Knowing that we did have a union rally, I decided to bring my union short with me. Um, prior to trainings that day of, I was outside of the building wearing my, my union shirt. I was approached by Johanna a the first time telling me to wear my Felton shirt. I said, I'll make sure, I looked at my watch and I said, I'll make sure I have it once I enter the building. As I entered the building, I took off my union shirt, I had my Felton uniform underneath, and I proceeded to participate on the trainings in the morning. Um, when it hit lunchtime, I put my union shirt on, I went outside the building and we participated with, um, in our union activities. Eight minutes prior to 1.30, I went inside the building to use the restroom and I was approached by Johanna a second time and she asked me to take my shirt off. I heard at the moment I did not respond, so she repeated herself and said, Anna, take your shirt off. I said, I heard you. I continued to go up the stairs and I noticed that she was following me up the stairs. I went all the way to the top of the stairs, I took my union shirt off and I noticed that she's standing right behind me. Um, I continued to take my shirt off and I walked inside the training hall and I noticed that she wasn't there anymore. At this moment, I felt very singled out, I felt harassed and I felt followed. The following day, August 10th, I was approached by my supervisor telling me that Johanna wanted to have a meeting with me. I asked for my union representative and I told thank them- Thank you, Anna Pedrosa, for your comments. Sorry to cut you off, but we are typing each speaker at two okay, minutes today. Thank you. thank you. Next speaker, please. Everyone. My name is Baraka Agambo. I'm a Felton employer work with preschooler. Uh, we are losing workers because they have taken jobs that offer a prophecy as a starting point for wages. This impacts our classroom and our moral. Management is using prophecy money as a weapon to discourage union activity by, uh, by applying prophecy to non-employee and the new hiring, sorry, by applying prophecy to non-union employee and the new hire teacher, but keeping the union teacher without prophecy wages. We are already dealing with a lot of stress in our daily working with no recognition for the hard work we perform in early childhood education. And the Felton is increasing that stress by holding the prophecy compensation for a teacher working at Bryan Street in San Francisco. Thank you. Thanks so much for your comments. Next speaker, please. Hi, good afternoon, uh, Board of Supervisors. My name is Grace Jimenez Ayala. I've been with Felton for three years, uh, about almost four years now. In May would be four years. I am a teacher assistant at the Bryan location. I'd like to talk about how on October 26, I was denied prophecy wages. I decided to resign on October 14 because I did not feel comfortable with my supervisor and teacher I work with. I felt intimidated by them. Uh, in a union meeting, we, I mean, I'm sorry, in a meeting we had with no union present. I also feel that it is unfair that Felton decided to use Prop C wages to intimidate us and discourage us from being supported in the union by keeping Prop C wages away from, all, from only union members. My last day with Felton, with Felton Institute will be this Friday, October 28th. 
I decided to come here today because I want to let my rights and my co-workers' rights be heard. May I ask the Board of Supervisors to hold Felton Institute accountable and have them pay my, props, uh, my proxy wages retroactively? Thank you. Thanks so much. Next comment, uh, uh, next commenter, please. Good afternoon, board. My name is Nicole Christian. I'm one of the San Francisco political chairs for SEIU 10 to 1. Whenever any of you have reached out to me, I have been very honest in our communication, so I'm going to be honest today. Felton is screwing over these workers. What they are doing is not only disrespectful, it's disgusting. They're withholding wages. We know that's union busting. They're withholding rights to organize. Again, union busting. Ultimate disrespect. You are the Budget and Finance Committee. They couldn't be bothered to answer any of your questions, and they had a talking head prepare a statement today. That is not a hearing. That's not what this is supposed to do. SEIU 1021 is a strong union, and we fight for the rights of working people, their family, and their community. And that's why we're here today, to ask you to help us in this fight. The only way this individual is going to understand the strength of this city council is in the pocketbook. He doesn't understand how strong we are, how unified this, this office and labor is but you can show him today. And I appreciate you for holding this hearing, I really do. This is important. This is the fundamental right to earn a livable wage for yourself and your family. Thank you so much. I appreciate you for this today. Thank you, Nicole Christian. Next speaker, please. Uh, good afternoon. Um, my name is Jason. To be fair, I am a former employee of uh, Felton Institute. While I was there, I worked in the marketing department at uh, Alameda. Um, I, one of the reasons why I left is because of uh, what I perceive to be questionable practices uh, within the agency. Uh, I did sign the card to be a part of the union. Um, I felt that uh, if the employees felt, uh, you know, our frontline employees felt that the best way for their voices to be heard was through a union, that they deserved at least to have the vote. Um, but what I uh, experienced and is what I would consider, uh, what I perceive to be uh, hostile um, sentiments towards further unionization within Felton. In meetings, there were uh, comments uh, disparaging the union. There were um, mass emails that were sent out with scare tactics about uh, medical information, uh, them being forced to release that information if there, if there was unionization. At least one occasion I was asked to write um, uh, uh, an email for the, the company um, regarding union activity. Uh, and there, I kept my union affiliation secret because uh, there was a general uh, feeling in uh, in the upper department that uh, that would not be welcomed. So uh, I'm supporting them because I believe that they at least deserve the right to have the vote. So thank you. Thank you, Jason, for your comments. Next speaker, please.
Hi, thank you. I'm Courtney Lorraine. I wanted to say that I'm really disappointed and I feel insulted that management didn't come to answer questions today, but it feels to me like a perfect mirror of all my previous experiences with management, um, where they say that we are a family and their door is always open, and um, I'm here on my personal time trying to fight for a, a better agency, better uh, services for clients, and they don't want to hear my concerns or my ideas. That's been the story the whole time I've worked there. I also wanted to clarify, respond specifically to a piece in the statement that said only neighbors called the police. Um, and uh, on January 27th, a member of management to my face said, if you don't leave in five minutes, we're calling the police. Um, I also wanted to uh, fill in a detail that my coworker, Anna, uh, was placed on administrative leave the day after she had this interaction with Johanna. Thank you so much. Thank you, Courtney Lorraine. Next speaker, please. Hi, my name is Stephanie. I'm a community member and supporter um, of SEIU. And I mainly just wanted to say that I am pro-worker. I'm definitely pro-unionization. And I feel like um, this is something that's important because you shouldn't just be at the whim of your employer to get things like pay raises. And though a union may not be completely perfect, it's really just a group of workers coming together and trying to fight for what they deserve, right? So even though I feel like unions may not necessarily be a magic wand that's gonna fix all their problems. I feel like it's a step in the right direction and it's people trying to do the best they can to increase their wages, get living wages, and just overall be represented in their workplace. Um, so yeah, pro-union. Thanks so much for your comments. Next speaker, please. Hi, good afternoon. Um, my name is Sam Meredith. I'm the uh, uh, Tenderloin Housing Clinic Union Chapter President. Um, we are here today, um, me and another colleague of mine, in support and total solidarity with the Felton Group. Um, mainly just want to say we totally support the allegations. Um, we all here heard the management statement, um, just fully denying everything. Um, I think it's pretty clear that if there was nothing going on, these workers would not be here. These workers took time out of their day, dedicated, came and spent time here to voice what happened to them. So I think when there's, we all, we all can recognize when there's smoke, there's fire. Um, we also, so, I too, I think that everyone else kind of summed up what already happened, but um, we want to also encourage the Board of Supervisors to, you know, of course, do your jobs and, and um, hold Felton accountable. And in that process, sort of consider the sort of larger wave of movements that are going on currently. I think you're all aware of, you know, our contract, the Tunnel and Housing Clinic contract and our strike we had back in July. Um, Project Open Hand, Glide, all these different organizations that are also trying to get better rights and unionize and things like that. Um, consider the Felton group struggle in the context of that larger sort of movement, you know, and understand that this issue is not going away um, and it needs to be addressed because this is, we've all, we're all kind of collectively saying is almost like a greater union that enough, enough, enough is enough. So um, that's all I wanted to say. Thank you. Thank you, Sam Meredith, for your comments. Next speaker, please. Good afternoon. My name is Angel Valdez. I am the nonprofit industry chair for Local 10 to 1 and I'm here in support for the, with the Felton workers. And I'm also here to um, ask uh, supervisors to reach out to this employer and ask them to come to the table and uh, settle this contract. I think these uh, workers have been working through a very horrible uh, pandemic and they need to uh, be paid accordingly. So they need to have a living wage so they can able to you know, provide the services that they are 
being provided through, uh, uh, to that community. So thank you for your time and thank you for, uh, for, uh, for hearing this, uh, for holding this hearing. Thank you, Hector Valdez, for your comments. Next speaker, please. Kim Cavalloni, San Francisco Labor Council. Several points that make me really pissed off here. Um, first off, when they say like uh, they have, they've thought that they had labor peace. Labor decides when there's labor peace, just by definition. Okay. <laughs> Two. I run a nonprofit that represents 100,000 working families here in San Francisco. I don't make half of what that guy makes. So uh, that was greatly disturbing. As a taxpayer, I am greatly disturbed by those numbers. I think when management says that they're making that much money and the workers were saying they were making 66,000 and some change, I'll give you 67,000. There is something wrong with a system that allows nonprofit CEO to make that much money off the backs of these workers. And perhaps we should look at rules like if you're running a nonprofit and you serve this many people, you shouldn't make more than three times the average worker's salary. That's absurd. And I think I'm offended as a taxpayer that I have anything to do with that. And three, Maybe we should demand an audit of the books and order DPH to audit their books because something is wrong. Something is definitely wrong when we're funding at that level and there isn't any accountability and any feeling of accountability toward you as a body and to the rest of us as taxpayers on top of it. So those are some of my suggestions and we should really look into it and call them the Felton rules just because we need to make an example of them. Thank you. Thank you, Kim Tavagliani, for your comments. Uh, to the audience, I do have to note that there is a board rule uh, regarding uh, audible support. So if you do support, go ahead and do this. Uh, if you disagree, go ahead and thumbs down. Thank you so much for your cooperation. Next speaker, please. I support those comments, by the way, sister. Uh, Rudy Gonzalez, Secretary Treasurer of the San Francisco Building and Construction Trades Council, AFL-CIO, and our unions and our members stand in solidarity with all workers, especially the Fel uh, Felton workers, in their rights that are federally protected since 1935, since the 30s when we had police gun down longshoremen in this very city and kill teamsters and sailors because they were fighting for their rights to be in a union, to 2022, when the question of our republic and our democracy is on the line, the democracy that takes place in the shop floor is equally important for workers to have a voice, to have protection to speak out against unprofessional or, or even criminal conduct is absolutely important and we have to protect their federal rights. Now, you don't have to protect their federal rights. Hopefully the National Labor Relations Act will do it. But what we're seeing play out here is that's a long, broken process. When 71% of Americans support unions, and millions upon millions of workers say they would join a union if they had the chance, well, those laws are broken. And it'll take months, if not years, to get justice for those workers if we just leave it to the federal government. So I want to say thank you to the Board of Supervisors, because your movement and your attention can bring justice about much faster for these workers. Now, to the workers, we stand in solidarity with you. 
do not give up. It is your right to organize. It is your right to unionize. And so long as taxpayers and community leaders and labor leaders alike know what's going on, I think you can be assured that the community and the elected representatives of the community will stand by you. Finally, I just think that the idea that the agency takes so much public money and could be using, could be using that public money to engage in unlawful, federally illegal activity is cause enough to further this inquiry and find out exactly how they're paying for these union-busting tactics. Because if the supportive services that our community has funded them to provide are being somehow diverted to attack or intimidate their workers, that does need to Thank be investigated. You, Thank you. Next speaker, please. Hello again, my name is Grecia Rojas. I'm an organizer with SAIU 1021. Um, it is a shame that Felton management did not show face, did not answer questions, did not uh, come forward. It's a real shame. Uh, workers deserve better, workers deserve to be heard, workers deserve their rights to be protected under federal law. Um, glad to see Sarah Tiffany Baker make a statement because her herself did call the police at one point during a, a public picnic at Golden Gate Park um, and verbally assaulted along with Liz um, Julian, uh, Jamar Julian. Um, <laughs> I, uh, called the police and is willing to go publicly and say that they have not. That this is just appalling and disrespectful to workers, to the people that they themselves call their own team members. Workers deserve a lot better. And so this anti-union business needs to stop now. Thank you. Thank you, Gracia Rojas, for your comments. Good afternoon again. Brandon Dawkins, Vice President of Organizing for SDIU Local 1021. Uh, again, I want to thank you all for, you know, hosting this forum and allowing, you know, folks to come and speak today. I want to thank you all here for showing up today, the workers, uh, you know, the, the uh, leaders in labor. Uh, I find it deeply disturbing that we have this forum and uh, Felton management, the CEO in particular, decided not to show up today, but doesn't have a problem cashing a 20, uh, uh, you know, a check from us every, from the city and county every year. I find it deeply disturbing that these workers come to work to serve the most vulnerable population in San Francisco and have to deal with the bullying, harassment, threatening, threatening to be fired if they are even affiliated with SEIU Local 1021, threatening to be fired. There have been folks there that work at Felton who said that uh, if they are, uh, if they disassociate themselves from the union, they will be promoted to a supervisor or a management position. And then once they step away from SEIU Local 1021, they're still not given that position. So I find it deeply disturbing that Felton is doing all these things, hurting the very same population that they should be serving. I find that deeply disturbing that they are doing that all on taxpayers' dime. And we need for something to be done about that. So my hope is that these future hearings will happen. And I hope at the next hearing that Felton will show up. Thank you. Thanks so much, Brandon Dawkins, for your comments. Seeing no further speakers here in the chamber, Mr. Lamb, uh, kindly unmute our first caller. We have 19 on the line with 12 in the queue. Hello, caller. Hi, my, 
Hi, my name is Mariah Semmet. I am a teacher at the Bryant Street location. I'm even more disturbed after this call than I was before with what I had prepared to talk about. Um, this Sarah Richard Baker, I have no idea who she is. I've never seen, heard of her before. And to know that she's the one representing Felton and telling untruths, um, no labor disruptions, that's a lie. This week we've had three people quit because of the lack of funding to baby prop C. Um, saying that they haven't surveillanced us, that's a lie. You can ask every person that has been a part of union discussions, all of us being videoed and watched by supervisors. Johanna herself claimed that she called the police. So saying they don't know who called, that the neighbors were disturbed, that's an untruth. I'm just feeling helpless. Um, there's no accountability on the events that occurred on August 15th. I wrote a letter with all the other teachers um, on behalf of all of us and what Johanna put us through, um, the accusations, the threats to us to be terminated. I, we wrote a, a letter to Liz who is our head of HR, and nothing has happened. That letter went out August 15th. We have heard nothing in response. There is zero accountability. We're all fearing our jobs. Johanna has stated on more than one occasion she does not have any intention to give us these funds until possibly next year. I, I just feel like crying. This is shocking. And I, I hope that you guys are the ones that we can go to to help us get our rights and to feel safe in our jobs and to to have access to the funds that have been held for us. Thank you, Marie. Senator, for your comments. Next speaker, please. Hi, I am one of the Falcon employees and I would like to stay anonymous for the purpose of to avoid the harassment from the union employees. Um, I would like to strongly disagree with the union. I would want to say I am a woman, a person of color, raising two kids, and the Felton Institute has been really wonderful and supportive to my team, to myself, uh, especially during the time of pandemic when um, my two young kids were virtual, so I was given the chance to be more flexible with my hours. And in my work schedule, uh, I have been given the opportunity to grow, ask questions. Um, I've been uh, improvised. So I would not, uh, the union should also mention that how they were harassing us uh, by forcing us to join the union. Thank you. Thanks so much for your comments. Mr. Lamb, next speaker, please. Hi, my name is Symphony Wren, and I'm the Family Support Specialist at the San Francisco Remind uh, Early Psychosis Program. I've been with Felton for nine months. Um, I started this position because I have personal experience caring for a family member dealing with psychosis, which inspired me to work with community members who are also in the same position. I care deeply about my work with my clients and my coworkers. 
which is why I believe in organizing a union at Felton. We are the ones uh, with these communities day in and day out. Some of us, such as myself, also have lived experience in these communities. We know what needs to be done for our clients and we deserve a seat at the table. Through my short time here, I've seen many strong providers leave Felton due to burnout, lack of support, and short staffing. These are big problems that make it harder to provide services to clients when our needs are not listened to. When I joined my union supportive colleagues at their rally at FDC, I was shocked to learn that the management called the police on us. When I wore a union shirt at the Felton barbecue, I was intimidated by management and made to feel unwelcome and uncomfortable. When we put up union literature at my workplace, management removed it, which is a violation of federal labor law. We want to organize our union free from interference, intimidation, and retaliation for the well-being of our clients and for our own dignity at work. Thank you. Thank you so much for your comments. Mr. Lamb, next speaker, please. Good afternoon. I am an office coordinator for Felton Institute. I have worked for Felton for 48 years. I have been harassed both at my home and at my office. I have never been interested in joining the union. I will never be interested in joining the union. I have been happily being a part of the Felton family. I've been well taken care of and I've been compensated. I am deeply concerned about staff saying that they are not supported by management. If you reach out to management, management is there to help you. If you're not reaching out, don't blame management, blame yourself for not having the courage to reach out. On behalf of many of my colleagues, Please respect our wishes. Union, please stop harassing us. Thank you. Thanks so much for your comments. Mr. Lamb, next speaker, please. Hi, my name is Jessica. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I've been at Felton since March. I identify as queer, have ADHD, and prior to coming to Felton, I spent seven years providing community-based mental health for underserved populations. I feel the most accepted and welcome and safe at Felton than in any other positions I've been in. I feel supported. I've received a raise after my four-month probation. Any accommodations that I've needed for my neurodivergence had been met, and I have felt like I can I'm encouraged and supported to follow what feels right for me. I have been welcomed to talk to union organizers, and it has been my choice not to because I feel so uncomfortable by them. There was a day when union organizers were at the office pacing outside, and I didn't want to go to my car because they were pacing in front of my car, and I just worried about harassment from them. I... I'm deeply committed to Felton. Um, it's one of the best nonprofit organizations I've ever worked at. I have the highest salary here than I've ever had in my professional career, and I'm 
fully in support of Felton Institute. Um, and that's all I wanted to say. Felton has treated me and so many of my colleagues amazingly. Um, thank you. Thank you, Jessica, for your comments. Mr. Lamb, next speaker, please. Hi, my name is Portia. Um, I am the Child Development Specialist at Felton, and I would like to say that I am against joining the union at Felton. Since I started working here in August, I've had no communications with the union. I've tried for the last week to reach the union representative, Hector Cardenas. He has not returned any one of my phone calls. The union has been harassing my colleagues. Um, one called at 8 p.m. at night. Um, there just isn't any benefit that I see from joining the union. The only thing that they could tell me that I was granted job security um, and if I were to get fired, it would elongate the process of me getting fired. Um, I just think that they're taking advantage of current teachers because they know that the teachers really don't have that voice in them. So the only time that they are coming around is through this bargaining agreement. And again, I work under the ATAP department and no one has come talk to us about anything union related. It's just been a hassle and a struggle to get anyone on the phone to come talk to us. And even yesterday when Hector was in the building, he wouldn't even talk to me. So I am against the union. It's just been a horrible process, and I do not want these people uh, representing me. Thank you. Thank you, Portia, for your comments. Mr. Lamb, next speaker, please. Hi, my name is Sierra Pax. I am an LCSW and former Felton employee. Um, first to all of the pro call-ins, uh, remember that the union is a boy vote, and we all get um, the right to vote, and nobody should be taking somebody else's right to say yes or no. Good to have you all saying no. So quickly, um, Felton runs intensive case management. There are currently people, San Francisco clients, who are in locked mental health facilities solely because they cannot get intensive case management. So we are spending thousands of dollars a day to keep people locked up against their will because of understaffing. And when I was at Felton, it was consistently understaffed. I am now part of a union. I got a pay raise 50% for the exact same job in the exact same city. And the biggest thing that it just really blows me away is that um, so many times, Albert Gilbert himself, many of us were saying we need an awning when COVID hit, clients were standing outside in the rain by December, nothing was done. They kept having to get bids or whatever while we are serving medication out at Franklin and Bush having the most private conversations with people simply because they couldn't be bothered to do it fast enough. And when I left a year later, they still hadn't done it. Now, I came in with two years experience, requested a, a cost of living raise after a year, did not receive it. Um, and then I can also say during COVID, our caseloads were exactly the same, even though our transportation to clients' houses and safety really expanded. We repeatedly told our supervisors we were working 50 to 60 hours a week, told Albert Gilbert himself in discussions around this. Nothing was ever done. We were telling them we can't take breaks. Nothing was ever done. So the few people are supported. I'm so glad for you. The majority of us Speaker are not, and we at least deserve the 
Again, I do apologize for cutting anybody off, but we are timing each speaker at two minutes. Mr. Lamb, next speaker, please. Um, and I can also say it's my turn. Can you hear me? Uh, we can. Uh, if you're listening, if you're listening to a broadcast, if you could uh, turn on your TV or your listening device. Yeah, I'm stepping out of the room there on a the laptop there. Okay. My name is Debbie Dobson, um, and I just wanted to remind the Board of Supervisors that about 25 years ago, back in 1997, the, um, the staff at Sutter that um, they, they were working, visiting nurses in hospice, uh, they refused to recognize the employees um, um, un making themselves into a union. They did two, both processes and they failed to recognize it. They refused to recognize it. The Board of Supervisors took back the Ryan White Fund. They said that they must recognize that they have unionized and they have done it properly. So they took the Ryan White Fund back from Sutter and then started providing care for those patients themselves with the Health at Home Agency, a city-run agency. So maybe it's a little premature, but maybe we should start looking at doing something like that, pulling back the funding and providing the service ourselves. Uh, thank you. Thanks so much for your comments. Mr. Lamb, next speaker, please. Hello, all. My name is Jen Lontop. I am a proud teacher of Felton City at the Bryant location. I wanted to stand by the notion that Felton Institute is using taxpayers' dimes to union bus. And in addition to that, I want that I want it to be known that Felton management claims that they are trusting, they are respectful and transparent. They are not. I have not felt safe working here in the past two years. They we are understaffed at this loca location especially, and I feel like a lot of my teachers and I were all burnt out. When it comes to working here every day, I'm here for the kids. And even though I'm not well compensated for the work and all of that that I do, it's really discouraging that Fulton Management isn't even here to listen. I thought this was finally the day that we would have a voice. Clearly, they are not ready or prepared to stand, to stand up and actually be held accountable for what they are doing. Um, I really appreciate having the time to talk. Thank you. This is, um, Fulton Management has really broken my spirit. To be honest, I am dealing with a lot of mental issues and it's hard to work here but I'm here for the kids and I'm here for my colleagues. I want to stand with SEIU 1021. They have been very supportive. They have been nothing but supportive and understanding and they just listen, which is great. Something that Fulton Management has not given us the space or time for. Um, thank you. Thank you, Jen Montauk, for your comments. Mr. Lamb, next speaker, please. Yes, my name is Lou. 
I am a case manager at Felton Institute in the Justice Division. I've been here for four years, and in the beginning, I did listen to the union request with an open mind um, in the beginning, but I just don't really see the reason for me to pay dues for something that I don't need. I can and have always been able to discuss my needs with my manager, and I don't really feel slighted by Felton in any way. I love my job. I love how I'm treated, and that is my statement. Thank you, Louis, for your comments. Mr. Lamb, next speaker, please. Hi, my name is Jamaica Reddick. Sorry, we can't at this time. Whoop, sorry about that. I am an organizer at SBIU 10 to 1 who supported uh, forming the union at Felton. Uh, this past spring, I was at the summer jam on September 9th where I directly witnessed intimidation um, and disrespect of Felton staff, specifically Felton upper leadership to union members exercising their concerted right to union activity. Um, the park is a public space. They tried to call the police on union members and union supporters for participating in their summer jam. Um, I thought it was really shameful that a publicly supported institution would treat its own workers that way. So in alignment with Felton's mission that they are rooted in equality, I would like to remind Felton Institute that equity, it starts at home and it starts with your employees. And the way that you treat your employees directly correlates to how they're able to perform their jobs and they are performing essential functions for their communities. So please offer them that same kind of support um, that you say you do. And uh, I just would like to remind folks like social justice as an ethic and a value also starts at home. Um, and thank you. Thank you, Jamaica Reddick, for your comments. As of that, we have 19 listeners with uh, four in the queue. Uh, if any of the 19 have not provided uh, public comment and you wish to do so, dial star three now. Um, Mr. Lamb, next speaker, please. Hi, everyone. My name is Nicole. I am with um, Felton at the Alameda location. I've been an employee for a little bit over a year now, and I've been able to grow in my position with the support of my superiors. Um, I have never been in a company where I have had so much support. I keep hearing that workers feel like they're not heard. Um, I feel like I have direct access to my managers. I'm at a place where I have access to senior leadership, which is also unheard of in most companies, as well as our CEO. Um, I feel like the union doesn't make sense for us. There is a lot of um, misleading information out there on why we should become a union. And um, I worry that people are not getting the correct information that they should be getting on that. Um, also, we are doing really important work at this um, at, at Felton, and I feel like so much time and energy is wasted on the wrong thing, which is working on this whole union, so everybody trying to organize. Um, I think that we need to focus on the work that's really important. I've been at companies before where I felt like I wasn't heard before, and I felt like I wasn't um, treated correctly, so I left. And, um, you know, I think that, there, that we should really be learning to focus on what really matters here. And um, I just don't feel like it even makes sense for Felton. And I've never been happier in a company that I've been with than being here at Felton. So thank you. 
Thank you, Nicole, for your comments. Mr. Lamb, next speaker, please. Hello. Hello. My name is Ruth Soto. I'm the CYF Administrative Assistant. My position falls under the TAP program, which makes me a union member. I'm currently trying to get out of the union since I have no entrance in or benefit from. I don't need someone speaking on my behalf when I can do that myself. I've been part of Felton for 11 years. Um, I, did let, I did leave Felton when I turned 10 years working at Felton. So I decided to move on, challenge myself to gain other experience. But on 2021, I decided to come back and be part of Felton because I love to work with families and be back to work with the community. I see how personnel have moved up the ladder within the agency, and that motivates me on wanting to grow personally and professionally. Felton gives you the opportunity to grow despite not having a degree or skills. Felton is a program that has a variety of programs and partnerships with programs within the community that the staff and families can benefit from. Felton has a partnership with the Advanced Program, which I'm currently enrolled in to continue with my education. Thank you. That's all I had to say. Thank you, Ruth Soto, for your comments. Mr. Lamb, next speaker, please. Hello, can you guys hear me? Uh, yes, we can. My name is Kristen Hardy, and um, I am the newly appointed vice president for SEIU 1021. I am coming here as a labor leader, but I am also a San Francisco native, as well as a public and county worker. And as me being a labor leader, as well as a San Francisco current and, and old resident, Seeing all the money that's being filtered into Felton, nonprofit, that, that's union busting on people that's just trying to get an affordable living wage and maintain above water in this high, high, overly priced city is disgusting. Once I found out that not only my city dollars, as me being a resident, are going to help funding 95% of this CEO salary, and I have members that are being harassed just because they want the right to have a seat at the table to make sure that they have fair working conditions, safe and healthy working conditions, and livable wages to be able to support their families. As me being a San Francisco native, as well as a resident and a labor union, for us to have this in San Francisco, which is a union town, is real disturbing to me. We have came here to the Board of Supervisors to ask you guys to assist us in stopping. 95% of funding is coming from San Francisco taxpayers. This is a reflection of the city, not only that I was born and raised in, that I work in, and that I represent members in. We are coming to you guys to assist us and putting some type of reins on Felton's union busting and anti-labor tactics. This is not this is not anything that they sign up for. This is their right to have the right to organize. I appreciate Speaker the Board of Supervisors elapsed. for allowing us. Again, I apologize for cutting you off, Kristen Hardy, but thank you so much for your comments. Mr. Lamb, next speaker, please.
That seems to be an unattended line. Uh, Mr. Lamb, next speaker, please. Hello? Uh, yes, we what? hear you. Hi. Hi. I just want to make sure it was heard. May I start? Yes. Okay. Um, hello. Uh, my name is Melissa Serrano. I've been with Felton since 2006, and I was uh, I was part of the crew that helped with our expansion program. Um, I am a direct beneficiary of a parent who was in a union. He his job was protected by his union, so. I am pro-union at heart, but I also believe in people's choices, and folks at Felton have a choice whether they want to be part of a union or not, and they should not be harassed into accepting being part of the union. So um, I just want to advocate for peace in the program. There is a clear divide between people that are pro-union and people that rather not be part of the union. And it's very clear. And it's getting in the way of the work that we are really intended to do. We do good work at Felton. We need to get back to that. This union issue is a very big divide between the ones that want it and the ones that don't. And the ones that don't should be respectfully accepted when they say no thank you. That's all I want to say. I appreciate your time. Have a good day. Thank you, Melissa Serrano, for your comments. Mr. Lamb, next speaker, please. I think that line is uh, still unattended. All right, thank you, Mr. Lamb. I think that does it for our telephonic queue, if we want to take the last speaker in their chamber. Sure. Thank you very much, Supervisors. First, we really appreciate the time that you have spent today listening to the testimony, both of the workers, those in favor of the union, those not in favor of the union, and to those of us who have really spent hours, days, weeks, months, and going on years now trying to make Felton a fair employer, not to violate the rules that the voters have passed with the exposition of funds by Prop C, which, by the way, it says right in the law that the voters voted on that those funds are meant to be dispersed in October. Um, that, so that's one point. Secondly, I want to say I've been doing this work a long time. I have this all this gray hair for a reason. And I started out as a rank-and-file leader myself. I was an early special ed teacher, early childhood and special ed teacher at a private nonprofit day treatment center in San Francisco. I got organized by the union. I too had trepidations. I didn't know what the union was. I didn't know what it meant for me to go on strike for six weeks in my first month of teaching. All I knew is that the conditions were bad for the children and for the families I was trying to serve. And that's the testimony of the workers who took the time today to come and tell you in person at their own expense, they came. Unlike the workers who have been testifying over the phone who are at work and speaking on union time. We will be back, Supervisor Melgar, Supervisor Safai, Supervisor Ronan, Supervisor Chen. Thank you for today. And we would request that you continue this hearing as you mentioned at the front of the meeting. I want to tell you I have never in my more than 35 years of being a union organizer, 
seeing an employer who treats work workers as bad as this employer and the families so and the community. Comments. Thank you very much. We'll see you at the next hearing. Thank you so and much. That appreciate was two your minutes. Support. Thank you. Okay, seeing no further speakers here in the chamber, last call because we will not reopen it. And Madam Chair, we did have uh, two more on the telephone before we close it. Okay. Okay, Mr. Lamb, next speaker, please. Hello, speaker, we do hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Please begin. Hello? Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Please begin. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Please begin. Hello? Uh, Mr. Lamb, there appears to be uh, some kind of miscommunication with that, uh, with that caller. The caller, we do hear you. Maybe you should come back to that, Mr. Lamb. Okay, looks like that line is unattended. Um, maybe we should give that other caller a shot. That if funding is released to Felton, it is released on the basis that they are treating workers with respect and they are following the rules and the laws. Uh, I will let you know that I was one of those people at an action where I, I saw Fulton call the police, they locked workers out, and they threatened workers. I was there. So was the previous president of this union. So it's not true that they're working with us. It's not true that they're accommodating, and they're not being partners with us. Every worker has the right to be able to be unionized. And that's what we're standing for. We're standing for the rights of workers, and we want to ensure that every worker has the right to have the best working conditions and the best salary possible. That does not come unless there is union and there is representation and there is people to stand up when workers are being abused. We know workers at Felton are being abused. We know that workers are being paid to drop out of the union. That is union busting. That's not what San Francisco stands for. And we ask the Board of Supervisors to stand with us against this bad boss. Thank you. Thanks so much for your comments. And I do apologize for the glitchiness earlier. Uh, Mr. Lamb, does that do it for our queue? Madam Chair, that was it. That was it for your Public comment is now closed. Supervisor Melgar. Thank you. Yeah, I will let you uh, close up, Supervisor Shan. I just, I just wanted to say a couple things, because you know I have been a union organizer for you know a, a bunch of my life, and uh, I will say first, there is no more effective way to lift people out of poverty in the United States than a good union contract. None. So the work of this committee to make sure that uh, public resources are used effectively to make sure that we serve the needs of our population uh, and at the same time reach economic equity. Nothing <laughs> that we do underscores more the need for a union than what we saw today. The second point I wanted to make is that um, I see a, a counter-organizing campaign. 
I can recognize that when I see it. When I hear folks who have the same talking points and talk about, you know, how happy they are at work uh, and, you know, they all have the same, you know, uh, points that they're making, there is a counter-organizing campaign going on here. Make no mistake about it. And that really pisses me off because we're not here to ask whether or not folks are happy in their jobs. We're here to see if public funds are being utilized to bust the union, to have a counter-organizing campaign. And I think that what we heard today and what we saw today really underscores that. And that really pisses me off. So I think, um, colleagues, that I will ask that we continue this item, but that in the meantime, we all do our due diligence to, to see what contracts are uh, being uh, given to this organization and to uh, get to the bottom of uh, whether or not public funds are being used for this purpose um, and to uh, make sure that uh, the funds that were approved by the voters of San Francisco to increase wages to immigrant female women who take care of our, our most vulnerable uh, kids and citizens in, in this uh, uh, city are uh, being given the way that they were intended in the law that said that by October they were going to get a raise. Our mayor got up there, had a press conference, and you know what, we all celebrated. <laughs> they are all getting a raise, except the ones that are unionized, because they're unionized. How ridiculous is that? I've never seen anything like that before. So colleagues, uh, thank you so much uh, for uh, listening to the workers and uh, for this long hearing. I do uh, intend to keep pursuing this, and I want to make sure that the workers get uh, their due, uh, and also that there is an expectation uh, from our nonprofit service providers that if they're getting public funds and they've signed a neutrality agreement that we will hold them to it, that it is not acceptable to do what these folks are doing. Thank you, colleagues. Thank you, Supervisor Chan. Thank you, Chair Ronan. Now that I'm seeing that we do not have the mayor's office, nor the controllers, nor our city attorney presence, I want to be on the record that we should confirm with our city attorney about the contract, specifically the city contract with uh, Felton on neutrality, but really labor harmony. So I think that um, we should follow up with the city attorney to make sure we get an answer uh, to, all, to this body um, before any Felton contract come before the budget committee. And then I think that the the, the direction that I would like to give both the controllers, I think Risa was here along with Anna earlier and I will follow up with them too, is to say, uh, let's flag all the Felton contract. I think that if a, a agency actually have the audacity to withhold a raise to workers who are unionized that is uh, funding granted by the city through city contract, then the city ought to have the obligation to withhold those contracts in some form or fashion uh, before releasing the fund uh, to ensure that there is labor harmony before we, we, we do that. So um, I don't think it's just for approval, but for current, current funding that exists that uh, as we implement with DPH and some other city agency that they have contract with. So I think um, we need to have those answers. I assume that we want to make the motion to continue to the call the chair for this, um, but I think that I will prefer, I actually prefer to actually have these answers um, 
from both the city attorney and, and controller's office perhaps in the next couple of weeks. So I will do a separate inquiry um, on that. Thank you. Thank you so much. I just wanted to thank all of the workers for coming out and testifying. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do, and uh, we see you and respect you and your work very, very much. So thank you for taking the time to come and share your stories with us today. We really, really appreciate it to all the workers. Thank you. Um, and oh, yes, sorry. And one more thing that we would like to put all these, um, I think the, the, all the, um, uh, sorry, my, thank you, Chair Ronan, all the unfair labor practices that the files that on National Board, uh, Relations Board, that we would like to keep these onto the electronic files, on files, so for the next hearing, we will actually have these reports along with the hearing. Thank you. Do you want to make the motion, Supervisor Chan? I would like to make the motion to continue this hearing to the call of chair. On that motion uh, by Member Chan, that this hearing be continued uh, to the call of the chair, Vice Chair Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Member Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Chair Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. We have three ayes. That motion passes unanimously. Mr. Clerk, are there any other items on the agenda today? Uh, Madam Chair, that concludes our business. The meeting is adjourned. <laughs>